From Finance and Commerce, this is Beyond the Skyline, a podcast about economic development, commercial real estate, and construction in Minnesota. In each episode, you will meet business leaders, builders, entrepreneurs, and big thinkers. I'm David Bolander, editor of Finance and Commerce. Thanks so much for joining. Beyond the Skyline is sponsored by Ironmark Building Company. Whether it's a new luxury apartment building in the North Loop or expanding the community in the suburbs, Ironmark builds quality projects for discerning clients. Ironmark's foundation is built on a culture of collaboration with clients and projects that stand the test of time. Talk to Ironmark's award-winning team about your next construction project today. Go to ironmarkbuildingco.com. In this episode, Greater Minnesota Housing Fund President and CEO Warren Hansen talks to FNC reporter Brian Johnson. Hansen discusses the mission of the organization and the ongoing challenge of creating affordable homes at a time when housing costs are rising and wages aren't keeping up with inflation. Okay, well, I'm pleased to be joined by Warren Hansen, President, CEO, and founder of Greater Minnesota Housing Fund um, for the last 27 years, Warren has led the Greater Minnesota Housing Fund and worked closely with state and local governments, philanthropic organizations, institutional investors, and community leaders to assemble resources and design strategies to meet affordable housing needs across the state. To date, this the nonprofit has provided direct financing of nearly $1 billion and mobilized another $3.1 billion in investments in housing, resulting in the financing of more than 20,000 affordable homes throughout Minnesota. And I guess kind of the news hook here is that Warren just recently announced his plans to retire after 27 years with the uh, Greater Minnesota Housing Fund. And so congrats on that, Warren, first of all. Thank um, and thank you for joining me today. Um, so. I understand that you will be retiring effective later in the year. Is it July? And then it'll be July. Yeah. Okay. And then you'll be staying on as sort of a during a transition process through the rest of the year. Is that correct? Yeah. I'll be kind of advising in the background until year end and uh, getting out of the way, but providing any mm-hmm. value I can for the new okay. CEO. Okay. Great. Well, I gave a brief introduction there of Greater Minnesota Housing Fund, but I was wondering if you could um, expand on that a little bit and just talk a little bit more about um, the Greater Minnesota Housing Fund and its mission. Sure. Well, you know, the thing that I think is unique about Greater Minnesota Housing Fund is that it was started, the genesis of it was uh, a collaboration between McKnight Foundation and Blandon Foundation. So it came out of the philanthropic uh, leadership of those two foundations in 1996 at a time when Arnie Carlson was governor. And uh, this is a little bit uh, uh, deja vu, but the state was having a red hot, white hot economy uh, employers were trying to add uh, employees. They needed uh, workers. Uh, there was a, a serious housing shortage, workforce housing shortage throughout the whole state. Uh, I remember we had a clipping service back then, and we uh, clipped, I bet we clipped 50 headlines 
job, a worker shortage, housing shortage, you know, preventing job growth, preventing economic expansion and so forth. And so it's really a response to a dire shortage of affordable housing for the um, for the, the state's workforce. Mm. And um, through the generosity of these two great foundations, Blandon Foundation based in Grand Rapids and McKnight, of course, based here and came out of the 3M founders families um they uh joined together uh spent about a year uh uh developing plans which i had the privilege of developing with them um and facilitating this collaboration uh but they started the organization by writing a 25 million dollar grant check to launch the greater minnesota housing fund which was then dedicated at the uh, at its inception just for greater minnesota just for the 80 counties outside the seven county metro area so it had this rural uh uh and uh, kind of uh non-twin cities focus uh at, at the time it was kind of a complementary organization to the twin cities family housing fund uh which had uh the twin cities uh, as as its mission. So that was the inception of it. I had, like I said, the privilege of helping to design it and launch it. I um, applied for the job and miraculously got the job of, of running it. Um, but there were a lot of other people who um, wanted to lead this organization. But I, I, I'm humbled by the fact that I was able to take that role and uh, do it for almost three decades. Mm -hmm. And it had an interesting evolution, you know, uh, uh, you know, like all good plans, uh, God laughs, you know, at, at, at the plans that uh, men and women make. So uh, within 12 months of starting the fund, there was a uh, massive flood in the Red River Valley in 1997, destroyed East Grand mm -hmm. Forks and uh, even whole neighborhoods in Moorhead and so forth. And so uh, as much as we were going to work on workforce housing, we worked on flood recovery for a couple of years. But then we got down to business with workforce housing. And, um, you know, over time, we worked with, you know, many, many of the household names, uh, employer names in, in greater Minnesota, Mayo Clinic, DigiKey, Hormel, Genio, uh, AgCo, which is a manufacturer of um, farm equipment uh, in Jackson, Minnesota. Uh, and uh, a lot of employers really came to the table with resources. At one point, I, we added it up and employers in greater Minnesota invested about $20 million uh, in mm -hmm. workforce housing in their communities. And, um, and so that was a, a major, major uh, mm -hmm. part of what we did for many, many years. Um, and then you know, other things came along uh, that were profoundly important for the organization to focus on, including uh, ending homelessness and ending veterans homelessness. And we uh, really have invested a lot of time in uh, helping to lead those efforts and finance and fund a lot of permanent supportive housing. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we've we had maybe two or three really major milestones over the past 30 years in terms of the organization's development. So we started out as a financial intermediary 
Today, it's it's known as a community development financial institution, and it was uh, uh, certified by the U.S. Treasury as a CDFI. So it does get some federal money today, mm-hmm. but uh, uh, it also um, uh, grew as a CDFI and and made a lot of loans and grants to pretty much every affordable housing developer in the state, both nonprofit and for profit developers in all uh, 80 counties of greater Minnesota. And then about 15 years ago, about halfway through its its life uh, so far, um, it took on and began to work in the metro area because there's just a shortage of, of resources in the metro as well. And we had been successful at setting up um, some new funding streams for uh, affordable housing that included the metro. And one of those funding streams was to establish a NOAA impact fund, a naturally occurring affordable housing impact fund. And that was a $33 million fund, kind of a new subsidiary, uh, right around the time of the foreclosure crisis, right in 2008, uh, we set up the Minnesota Equity Fund, another subsidiary entity, and, and that has assembled capital for low-income housing tax credit developments. Um, which we've financed all over Minnesota, Metro, and, and Greater Men, including some transactions in Wisconsin. Um, and uh, the Minnesota Equity Fund has now financed a little over $120 million. The um, NOAA Equity Fund has financed about $33 million of projects or loans and investments. and. Um, and uh, our, you know, CDFI arm, the kind of the mothership of the organization has financed, uh, well, if you add them all together, it's almost a billion dollars that we, that you said in the, in the beginning that we have provided capital for directly. Yeah. And so you, you uh, so it started out with more of a focus on greater Minnesota, but now you're also involved just pretty much throughout the state. Is that, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, how, how, um, I, I'm curious, you know, when you started this job in 1996 and compared to now, how have the challenges changed or what's, what's the biggest difference in terms of the affordable? Cause everybody's talked, been talking about the need for workforce housing, affordable housing for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's certainly homes aren't getting any cheaper. Um, wages aren't keeping up with inflation. Um, but what's the biggest difference between then and now in terms of addressing this challenge? Well, I would say the crisis has gotten worse, quite frankly, and it's hard to admit that we've lost ground, but I think that we are, um, really struggling, uh, as a state and as a nation with meeting the needs of our uh, community are lower income households. So, like you said, wages haven't kept up with uh, housing costs. And a great example of that is we just are uh, have been working on a um, a single family uh, development uh, in Grand Rapids, Minnesota. They had a, a school that uh, needed to be. Uh, they consolidated their school district. They removed the the building from this city block in Grand Rapids, and now there's 
uh, space in lots for 24 homes. And we put the mm -hmm. homes out for bid or the plans out for bid. And um, the home costs in Grand Rapids, which you think maybe the home, the, the prices or the cost of construction might be less in greater Minnesota, but they're not. Mm -hmm. um, the bids came in at about $375,000 per unit for a modest two-bedroom home. Mm. And uh, the wages in Grand Rapids uh, uh, are just not uh, high enough for those people, for most people to afford those homes. So they mm. each need about $100,000 worth of subsidy to make them affordable. And they mm. will be land trust homes uh, mm. developed by one roof out of Duluth, along with uh, the um, Itasca HRA. But mm. I would just say that these home prices and construction costs, material costs, supply chain problems, lack of labor has just gotten worse than it ever has been. And um, and mm. I think greater Minnesota has a, a harder challenge with it just because wages are that much more depressed mm -hmm. or lower. And um, you still have the same construction costs as you would have in the metro because it costs yeah. about that much to build a single family home in the metro. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, um, right, right. And the land costs are, I would imagine the land costs tend to be higher in the metro, but how much of that is a factor in the homes that you're building out in greater Minnesota? Land costs can be quite a bit cheaper in, in greater men, but relatively speaking, it's it it does leave um it leaves a larger part of the population or the workforce uh uh behind in terms of affordability just because wages are that much lower in greater men yeah can you talk a little bit about what you did prior to um your work with greater minnesota housing fund yeah uh i had an interesting uh a career before Greater Minnesota Housing Fund too. Um, I'll start with the fact that I was a um, um, a neighborhood community development uh, staff person at the West Bank Community Development Corporation in the Cedar Riverside neighborhood, mm. and worked on the redevelopment of uh, that urban renewal area. It was a classic urban renewal area, a new town in town. Uh, development out of funded with HUD money that was going to put 10 stages of Cedar Square West throughout the whole neighborhood. And it was stopped through a lot of protesting and, and uh, litigation. And uh, the West Bank CDC had the, uh, the pleasure of uh, being designated as the uh, uh, developer for the, the um, little bit more modest approach to that uh, redevelopment project. And uh, I spent almost 10 years at West Bank Community Development Corporation doing small business development. Uh, we founded a West Bank theater district, started some uh, co-op organizations and businesses up and down Cedar Avenue. Mm -hmm. um, and then George Latimer called me up. He was mayor of St. Paul at the time and asked me to come over to uh, St. Paul and I uh, landed in St. Paul Planning and Economic Development, running the Neighborhood Development Division for Mayor Latimer, and mm. uh, then ended up running the Riverfront Development uh, Division of 
the city um, and worked for both George Latimer and Jim Scheibel. And then for a, a short amount of time uh, for Mayor Coleman, the first Mayor mm-hmm. Coleman, Norm Coleman. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um, it was during that period of time, shortly after that, that I started working with McKnight and Blandon Foundation to start Greater Minnesota Housing Fund. Hmm. So I kind of went from the neighborhoods to the city and then to yeah. the whole state. Yeah, yeah. I also noticed from your bio that you, uh, among other things, uh, co-founded public radio station Fresh Air, uh, KFAI-FM, and was an organizer of Minnesota's early food co-op movement. Um, how did you uh, get involved in that? Well, you know, that was a long time ago, but it was a very exciting time for anybody involved in um in the food co-op movement because there was only one food co-op in uh Minnesota at that time. And it was called the North Country Co-op. And people came from all over the state to shop there. It was in the West Bank neighborhood. And it was so jammed that uh, uh the organizers of that co-op said don't come here anymore. Start your own food co-op. And uh, so there's almost a whole army of people that went around uh, and started food co-ops in their neighborhood. And uh, so I was involved in starting a few of the different food co-ops as a food co-op organizer. Loved it. Um, it was a real community, still a wonderful um, uh, network of uh, neighborhood uh institutions and uh, really anchors to their community, including Seward Co-op and and other co-ops um, in the Twin mm-hmm. Cities. Uh, but I think I was just attracted to community development from the start mm-hmm. and loved uh, the entrepreneurial phases of these projects mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, realized mm-hmm. after a certain period of time that uh, I really enjoyed um, anything that had to do with improving neighborhoods or communities, uh, whether it was small businesses and food co-ops or affordable housing or uh, even cultural uh, institutions like the West Bank Theater District. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, when you look back over the last 27 years, what stands out? Or are there any particular highlights or particular projects that you worked on that um, sort mm-hmm. of stand out? Well, you know, sometimes the things that stand out in your mind are 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 uh, maybe not that noticeable by other people. But for me, mm-hmm. um, uh, there was a individual who was a, a kindred spirit t- uh, to me uh, in Duluth uh, named Steve O'Neill, uh, who has passed. Uh, he was a community organizer, a homeless uh, advocate and became a St. Louis County commissioner at a certain point and a very w- revered person because of his uh, his commitment to the homeless and and to uh, the community uh and uh he was on our board uh for a time as well and um so there is a project in Duluth called Steve O'Neill Apartments which was named after him you know after he passed and it's just a wonderful permanent supportive housing project in the hillside neighborhood above downtown Duluth houses uh, families with children. So every unit is occupied by um, 
infants in many cases and and young children. There's a child care center on the first floor, and it's just a a beautiful building and a beautiful project. And uh, it's transforming lives and saving lives. And young mothers and young fathers are living there and, you know, getting established uh, and bringing up their children and and um uh making life it just it's 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 made life so much better it was uh created by center city housing corporation which is just another great nonprofit organization based in duluth that works all over the whole state on mm -hmm. uh, creating permanent supportive housing in places like rochester and duluth and st cloud and um, other communities well that's great well, that's the kind of project that kind of warms yeah. your heart and yeah. also uh you know, you know that you did something, something good. Yeah, for sure. Supporting it. And I'm curious because there's so many layers to this. When you talk about workforce housing, affordable housing, you have the uh, everything from um, addressing the, the problem of homelessness to all the different levels of AMI. And uh, where, where do you, mm -hmm. where do you prioritize or how do you choose, I guess? Um, where do um, direct your resources? Well, I think Greater Minnesota Housing Fund has been um, a combination of an. Uh, it had had uh, the ability to do two somewhat di disparate things. One, I would say the majority of what our organization has done throughout its entire life is responded to local needs, local and regional needs that were identified locally by community members, by elected officials, by civic leaders, by employers, you know, who said, we need help. Uh, you know, this is what we need in our community. Uh, can you support our work in some way? And we've consistently responded to that call to action, if you will. And mm -hmm. then there have been other times when we had a vision uh, and we thought, uh, we can work smarter or we can uh, respond a little bit more creatively or maybe take the lead on something. Um, and uh, we've done that in a couple of different cases where <clears throat> we at one point uh, identified the greening of affordable housing as important to make it more energy efficient, make it more healthy. And mm -hmm. we, with enterprise community partners, a national uh, organization and the family housing fund, to really advance that those principles and we got the minnesota housing finance agency to adopt those principles as well so that's kind of a systems change thing but it came out of a vision that we kind of incubated um another uh, idea along those lines was we knew that many employers in minnesota wanted uh, help to address their workforce housing needs locally in cities wanted that help too and so we created a program called Employer Assisted Housing and assembled resources programmatically and um, it really advanced uh, a lot of the learnings about how to uh, make it possible for employers to invest in affordable housing that would serve their community and their employees. Um, and right now, by the way, we're, we're operating uh, two really interesting programs that come out of a Kind of a vision that we had which was which is there we have a, a program called uh emerging developers of color mm -hmm. and what we have done is we've invested this is about a two to three year old uh initiative 
um, which we started after the murder of George Floyd, mm -hmm. to help um, uh, small emerging developers uh, get into the affordable housing business and become uh, more engaged in the industry, in the affordable housing business, and produce affordable housing. And we have invested about $13 million in 23 projects in the last couple of years with several emerging developers of color in the Twin Cities and some outlying areas. Mm -hmm. The other really interesting initiative that, we're, that kind of came out of a vision that we had is called Housing and Health Equity. And we are working with uh, about uh, 11 or 12 healthcare institutions, uh, household names, I won't mention them right now, but uh, you know, health plans and hospital systems in Minnesota to help them uh, examine how they can work upstream uh, to address uh, health issues, um, health disparity issues, and invest in affordable housing so that people have people that really need stable housing have have uh, have a home, a stable home. Mm. So, uh, you know, those are some of the, um, you know, both responding to local initiatives or local plans, local uh, demands for workforce housing and housing for those that are at risk of homelessness and those kind, of, and then also kind of advancing some new ideas and new strategies that uh, uh, maybe couldn't get done at, at just one at the level of one city uh, taking mm -hmm. on a new a strategy like that. But if we offered it to the whole state, then maybe multiple cities could actually participate in um, emerging developers of color work or housing and health equity work. Well, great. Well, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the work you're doing with emerging developers. I, that was on my list of questions to ask you. And um, I've done articles on the Inspiring Communities Program in St. Paul. And I just recently did a Q&A with uh, an emerging, emerging developer who's involved in that program and is uh, doing some good work here. So um, that's really cool to hear, hear that you're involved in that as well. Um, any any parting thoughts or any any plans uh, for retirement? Are you going to be doing doing traveling or still being involved in housing in 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 some way, shape, or form? Or you know, I uh, I do look forward to being involved in the field. I I I love work. I love being productive. I'm probably one of those people that uh, um might characterize as a workaholic. So my my next chapter is kind of a uh, a bit unknown, but uh, I might uh, do some consulting. Um, I'm definitely going to be spending time with family and grandchildren and doing a lot of the usual things that you do when you don't have to work every day. Uh, but I also look forward to being part of the community and working on equity and social justice in some form or fashion. And my vehicle for being involved in that kind of work has been affordable housing. It's what I know. And so uh, I, uh, I hope to be involved in some way, probably a board or a couple of boards. Mm -hmm. I am working with um, a group in Northwest Arkansas right now to create kind of a replica or a, um, 
kind of duplicate the Greater Minnesota Housing Fund model. And so that that seems to be taking off and uh, look forward to being involved in that as well. Well, great. Well, well, thank you so much for your time, Warren, and um, enjoy your retirement. Good luck in your future endeavors. And um, hopefully we can stay in touch and thank you. you. Chat, chat again in the future. Thanks, Brian. Good to talk to you. Take care. Yeah.